So we are continuing in our sermon series. Is that a surprise? We've been in this series for a little while. We've been going through the five chapters of the book of 1 John. It's an epistle in the New Testament. And we're in chapter 4 at this point. We're going to go through uh, verses 1 to 6 this morning. So if you brought your Bible with you, I would encourage you to open your Bible. Let's find it. 1 John. 1 John. 1 John comes before... Second John. <laughs> it's in the New Testament. And don't feel embarrassed if you have to go to the table of contents and go, where exactly is First John? We all had to do that at some point. Yep. It's the so, only way that we can learn our way around the Bible. Come on. Um, and it's, this is First John chapter 4. <clears throat> We're going to begin with verse 1. We do have it up on PowerPoint. But again, we can get really lazy just looking at the PowerPoint and then going, I don't know, it's somewhere in there. No, we need to know where it Amen. is. And even yeah. actually, I believe the Holy Spirit helps you uh, to hear him better, even as you lay your own eyes on it. Truth. This is all a working of the Spirit. And this, is, this is the title of our, the, passion, or the passage of Scripture this morning is about testing the spirits. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to begin in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Just as the story is, Mary said at your feet, Lord, to learn of you, to hear the words of life. We, we're, we're here, and we sit at your feet to hear the words of life. Impart your very presence within us, Lord, through your word. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Give us ears to hear. Let us know you in a greater way. We're listening. In Jesus' yes. name, amen. 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 So again, uh, the title to this passage of scripture that we're going to look at today we, is t- titled Testing the Spirits. Uh, we live in a spiritual world. We may not see it directly. You really cannot see it with your physical eyes. But it's very much at work and it actually influencing all the affairs of human life around us uh-huh. every day. And the spirit world uh, contains good and it contains evil. The supernatural is not always divinely good. (laughs) We know by scripture, I mean, we've studied this a lot uh, in this church, that the supernatural evil is at work every day around us. I mean, just take a look at the news. Take a look at the world. Read the news, and almost like weekly, Mm. you hear of terrible things, mass shootings, Mm have become almost common. It's like, you, look, you know, we still get the paper, the Butler Eagle. You turn the page, it's like, oh, no. This again. You know, people opening fire and people shopping in a Walmart or, you know, shopping somewhere uh, in a store or you hear about children at school, you know, kids getting uh, shot, killed at a Christian school, or you hear about the 50 people, I mean, there was a few years ago in New Zealand in a mosque, 50 people murdered. Uh, just recently, they just had the, uh, the trial and the outcome of it for the, the person who shot people in the Pittsburgh synagogue. I think 11 people were killed there. Uh, there you could just go on and on. I think any, any number of things like that are just happening so often. And we call them hate crimes. And they are hate crimes. Yes. The people that are doing these things, you know, people go, why? Why are people doing this stuff? 
They're being influenced in their mind and they're being influenced in their heart by a false spirit. This is yes. what John is talking about in these verses. There's a spirit of antichrist coming in many ways and forms that's work in the world. The, the antichrist, the chorus is antichrist. He hates Jesus. Well, he can't get at him, so he hates what, what Jesus, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love most, you and me, mankind. Yes. So he's going to do everything he can because he hates humankind. And so this is what motivates these people to do this. In fact, we're going to see in the next chapter, at the very last verses of this epistle, it says that the Apostle John writes that the whole world is actually under the power of the evil one. Right. It's a major statement for us to understand. The whole world, it's like John, did you... Did the Holy Spirit really inspire you to write that? The whole world is under the power of the evil one? Like, that should help us readjust the way we look at right. life. Right. And so, you know, I think about the way the Antichrist spirit works. Like, in 1838, a man named Joseph Smith claimed to find tablets in a cave with some kind of foreign language written on it, which he couldn't understand. And he claims that an angel named Morani came and explained to him, if you wear these glasses, you'll understand what this is. And it was this, this information was supposedly completing the story of God's work. This is 1838 now, when the scripture of canon has been closed. And so he added to the Bible... He, because he believed that it was corrupted and God was giving him extra information about it. It was insufficient. And so he basically, again, added to the scriptures and re, re, literally rewrote. He wrote the Book of Mormon, uh, which today nearly 16 million people right. are following. What I would call that spirit of error. Yes. And so in this passage, John is telling us, do not believe every spirit. This is important for us to understand because some spirits are false and they're lying. And so false and lying spirits can manifest themselves in two extremes. One by the you know, pull of a trigger, right. massacring people, and the other you know, by way of... Guise of love. Yeah, coming in love, but it's filled with bad doctrine. You know, I think of the smiling man on the, he, they used to come around like that, wearing a white t-shirt and a tie on a bike and come knocking at your door. Anybody remember the, they come through the neighborhoods like that. Hmm. And I'm not saying these people are evil that believe, you know, that what the Mormon church teaches, but we are saying there are spirits of error out there that people are influenced by. Yeah, some of them are actually in robes behind pulpits. Yeah. yeah. You know, but this passage isn't just about uh, not believing false every spirit, but it's also about believing the true spirit. And the true spirit is from God. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And the, it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates a heart when somebody bows their knee to Jesus Christ. The miraculous thing, the greatest miracle that ever could happen is somebody is born again. Because Jesus said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit is equal to God the Father, God the Son, in power, in glory. But his, his job here on the earth is really focusing to draw people to Jesus. Yeah. He's pointing to Jesus is what he's doing. And he's the one, it says in scripture, that convicts the world of sin. And praise God that happens, amen? Amen. Yeah, uh, it reveals our personal need, everybody's personal need for a Savior. And understanding that my good works don't, don't add up and can never add up. And what's great about this is that he's the one who opens people's eyes, the, 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 their inward man, the spirit man, to actually recognize the spiritual condition that we're all in. And what's awesome about this is that he doesn't do this without the body of Christ. The body of Christ is you and me. So he's really looking for us to believe him and to be willingly obedient to do what he's asking us to do to advance the kingdom of God, to his plans, his purposes here on the earth. 
And the Holy Spirit, let's, let's turn to John chapter 16. John, this is the gospel of John, not the epistle of John. The same gospel writer. of John, same writer. Same writer. Yeah. John chapter 16. Because the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. And what's pretty awesome about this is that he's, he's, his other job for us believers is to guide us into all truth. That sounds pretty good. I want to know the truth. Amen. You know, if my ladder is on the wrong building, so to speak, my life's work is on the wrong building, and I get to the top of it and find out I'm on the wrong building... That's lousy. If I need to make a detour halfway through, I'm going to make that detour because I want to know the truth. Even if that means i got to change some stuff. I want to know the truth. John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And that's an awesome promise. That is just, it's it's like, yeah, you can wake up excited saying, Lord, I want to know the truth. I'm excited about the truth because let's say Jesus has warned us many times. He says in the end times, deception will be really great. Mm-hmm. And it says there'll be such rampant deception that it's possible for the elect to be deceived. So we got to hang on to the Holy Spirit in the word of God. Amen. Amen. And now the Holy Spirit is also, he's the one who uh, inspired the writing of scripture. He's inspired this Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, it says that all scripture of God is God breathed. And how God, the Holy Spirit moved on the hearts of men to write scripture. And so... It's just not the thoughts of men. This, this is actually God moving upon the hearts of man to write exactly what God wanted to have. That's why we call the Bible the Word of God. The Word of God. And this is... A holy book. It is a holy book. And my grandma, God bless her, Grandma Vi, it was simple people. That's our family. Uh, she was a farm lady in Covington, Ohio. She wouldn't allow anybody to put anything on the Bible on top of it. I like that. No, idea. no, don't you put that on that. <laughs> it stays on top of everything. I mean, <laughs> listen, something simple like that, I remember it. I remember it. Not that I got a whooping. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> but the Bible is the word of God. And when you and I honor it as the word of God, as this is being true, and then as I, it's revealed to me and I move upon it and I start to operate in what I've just learned, guess what? He reveals more and more. It's, that's the steps you've got to take. I am considering this the word of God and I'm going to do it because this is the truth. This is the truth. But now, guess, the Holy Spirit, God himself, indwells all believers. God himself indwells you and me if you're born again. I mean, that's a thought that you've, that's what we read. We read, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Well, we better start paying attention to the greater one, amen? Amen. Amen. God's good to us and he really wants to do some things for the kingdom through you and through me and he's just looking for willing obedience it's that simple and how do you know God's talking to you when he asks you to do something and you say not me you got the wrong guy (laughs) that's when you know God's talking to you (laughs) so this passage again is talking about the difference between truth and error. And uh, we thank God, like Pastor Steve's saying, that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us so that we can discern the difference. We must, actually. Again, because the world is projecting and putting out there a lot of false and deceiving things. I mean, Mm -hmm. in, in the past several decades, I mean... In the world and in America has shifted dramatically off of the belief that there is truth. I remember some years ago, and it wasn't probably more than five years ago, 
we heard about a, 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 a bridge in, I think it was somewhere in Scandinavia, Norway, yeah. that Franklin Graham had on one of his sites that said, you know, it showed people bicycling over the bridge. It was all lit up, and it said, truth is relative. Flexible. Or flexible, yeah. Truth is flexible. It was like, what? Who would write such a... Stupid thing. Stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that in church, stupid? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the world, and, it's, and, even, and in America, we see truth as being very flexible, don't we? Oh. I mean, as far as believing in truth, meaning one, truth is just one thing. Jesus Absolute is the way, truth. the truth, the life. Amen. And so after decades, I would, we'd call it this woke ideology that's just been infiltrating. And it's mostly, you know, it's been going through universities. And so mm -hmm. when you're sending your kids off to college, beware. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> You know, there's this, there's this word now. It's like, well, we've come into this place of post-truth, whatever that yeah. is. In other words, there's no truth. We're so post-modern. We're, you know, we can live with no truth. And why do people resist truth? <laughs> because we want to be masters of our own destiny, right? It's like if I have to follow truth and I have to come, yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to be a master of my own destiny. And truth gets in the way of that. Yes, Anybody find that out? <laughs> so, you know, as a people in America, I mean, we'll talk about America, but it's all over the world, really. We just kind of cut our moorings from truth. It's like we don't really need this. And now everything is just kind of a drift at sea, you know, like driftwood or flotsam. Everything's just going randomly, floating around. It's yeah. like, and so you get a lot of stuff, my truth, your truth, and it all just keeps changing. Have you noticed? It just keeps changing. And you do see all manner of really insane belief, insane behavior. And I, we need to be calling it this because Correct. if we just keep going, I don't know, maybe, no, it's... It's wrong. It's wrong. Much of it is wrong. Much of it denies reality that we're supposed to just agree with and go, I guess. No, it's denying reality. I'm not going to live in your delusion. It's, it's evil. So much of it is just plain evil. And when we know there are false spirits and spirits of error, Scripture tells us this, then we should be aware as church, as yes. people of God, going, I know where this is coming from. And it's not good. No. You know, truth is like a plumb line. Like, without a plumb line, everything gets crooked, <laughs> built around air. Have you ever put up wallpaper? <laughs> <laughs> I can't And you stand start doing with that, that string, the plumb line, <laughs> boo, against the wall. So that when you're putting up everything else after the plumb line, you end up, especially if it's a, a fl a, some kind of pattern, you know, without a plumb line, your room's going to feel like this at the end. Like, and then you're going to pull your hair out because it's like, why did I not put this plumb line in? <laughs> yeah. I put all this effort in, now everything's crooked. <laughs> And I think this is really what's happening in the world. We're living without a plumb line. Yeah. People are like, we don't need a plumb line. Have you ever you know, built a building without a plumb line? No. You'll pay a mistake. Yeah. You'll pay for that, rather, that mistake in the end. And this is what's happening in a lot of people's lives. And I, it's just so kind of hard to believe. It's coming so fast. It's happening so fast. Mm -hmm. This spirit of error that people are just deceived into believing. You can be the master of your destiny. You can decide your truth. And yeah. feelings oh, yeah, have taken they're... the throne. It's like, how I feel, don't say that. It's going to make me feel bad. Well. Where's my safe spot? Yeah. Everybody's triggered. It's like, don't say that. <laughs> uh, I'll lose it. I need a safe space. It's like. <laughs> Didn't your dad you know. ever spank you? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But you see it Whatever. all over social media, yeah. don't you? It, it's, I mean, I, I, I know a guy who wrote this. If you don't agree with me, I'm canceling you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. He's like, wow. The emotions and feelings are set on the throne now. Everybody, whatever makes them feel good is their new truth. And that's, that's listen, these false spirits are manipulating men and women. First of all, anybody who's not born again is an open door to the devil. Just like we, Pastor Mamie brought up 1 John 
that we're going to get to, it says the whole world is under the power of the evil one. The only way to break free from that is through Jesus Christ and bowing your knee to him. What's happening is it really plays out like the Matrix movie. Anybody saw that movie? Really good movie to watch. But you've got to understand that this is the world we live in. And he, God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is relying on you and me in this time. It's good. But the spirit of error is leading people who are unaware, gullible, ignorant into error. And they don't, these spirits, like Pastor Maybe says, the fallen angels were never offered forgiveness. Man was offered forgiveness. And man was also offered to rule and reign over this earth. And Satan was so jealous of that, he came and stole it from Adam. And he hates all mankind, all mankind, because we're made in the image and likeness of God. All mankind, whether you're saved or not saved. All these people, listen, Satan has people who will line up and know what they're doing, line up to follow him completely. Well, I'll tell you right now, those are the people that are in hell right now asking you and I to do our job to be a witness for Christ. They don't want people to come and fall into that same deception. But this, there's hope. Why? Because a greater one lives in us. Amen? Amen. And that's the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is going to lead us into all truth. Yeah. And we've got to want this truth. We do. So let's consider what this three uh, things in this scripture talk about. First of all, we're not to believe every spirit. We're to, we are to actually test the spirits. We're to test them. That's our responsibility. Amen? And then we have to prevail over these false spirits. Number one, let's take a look at this. Can't believe every spirit. We must not believe every spirit. Because the spirit of Antichrist is very active, very active. He's behind, uh, there's a spirit behind every religious message. Everyone. It's either a lion spirit or it's the spirit of God. You know what you could add to that? Every legislation, every cultural push, every election. There's a spirit behind all of it. What does Satan want to do? He wants to rule the earth. That's what the Antichrist is going to come and be successful for a short time. And it's come back. John is telling us it's, these are either from us or from God or Antichrist. And he's saying, well, here's the question. What should we believe? That's an important question. What should we believe? <laughs> It's a really important question because some people don't even think about it. Well, we worship what we believe. We do worship what we believe. People worship technology. People work, worship a variety of things. But when, whatever you worship, you're going to lean toward and become like. That's why God says he is working on all Christians to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What you worship, you become, really. And uh, <laughs> it's important for us to take this seriously because people uh, like to believe, well, I'll be okay because I'm, my good's going to outweigh my bad. Or they believe that, uh, well, all roads are going to lead to the same God. And when you think that, guess what? You don't have to deal with the absolute truth. You don't have to deal with your shortcomings. You don't have to deal with the sin that you're involved with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, I, I, I'm getting there. You know, I'm only human. I've heard that. I've heard that. I'm only human. Every path, every religion goes to the same God. Has anybody heard that in here? Yeah. It's so accepting and affirming. <laughs> but you don't have to bow your knee to a holy God. See, it's his heaven. 
And he's given us simple words to get there. But, just like Pastor Mamie said, everybody wants to be the master of their own destiny. You know, another thing is, is that this is an important thing because if you have a Christian worldview, one of the things that trips people up in a Christian worldview is, are people generally good or evil? Then you think of the people you know and you think, well, people are generally good. Well, that's not what the Bible says, is it? He says, no, there's, there's no one good. Yeah. The only one that was good was Jesus Christ. Yeah. Romans 3, 23. Yeah. Let's look at that scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. No, there's not one good. No, not one. I've said this many times. There's going to be more good people in hell than really evil people. Because good people think they're going to make it because they're good. And it's always their standard of good, not God's standard of good. Yeah. You hear that and you say, okay, let's see you make a star. How good can you be? Make a universe. Well, they can't. So this is the standard is holy and perfect. And there's not one that was ever holy and perfect except Jesus Christ. And he died for the sins of the world. He died for your sin. He died for my sin. But in order to uh, bring that into our own life, we have to go his way and be born again, born of his spirit. Look what it says, Romans 3, 23. This is on PowerPoint. For all have sinned. Look at that word, A-L-L. You know that Greek word? It means all. All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Yeah. So when we begin to understand what the gospel message is really about, and what's at stake? Yes. What's eternal at life stake? or eternal death? Do we really, do we believe this? You know, it's not good enough to go, to just turn our eyes away from people that just say, well, everybody, it's all okay. Everybody's going to go to the same place. You know, it's all going to be fine. It's not all going to be fine. Right. And so to know truth and to know the way to eternal life, which is what we endeavor to learn as people of God and even here in the church to teach and to keep our mouth shut and watch people just go towards the cliff to fall over, oh. to go out into eternity, die an eternal death. It's like, it's, that's not good. We cannot do that. We Amen. cannot be people that just know the way and then just look the other way. The Lord's <laughs> counting on us. It's, it's, like, it's the Holy Spirit. When you think about it, when you, Pastor Steve was saying, he's the one who opens our eyes to see our need. Well, he doesn't just come in this room somehow supernaturally apart from all of us and do that. He's going to use a person. He's going to use like preaching. The preaching of the gospel yes. is a supernatural message that he begins to work on people's minds and hearts. So we have to... Use our opportunities in our everyday life, the people that we, that we meet, that we interact with. We can begin to pray for these people. Oh, Holy Spirit, you know, open up their eyes to see where they stand in light of eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, help them to see where they're going. They're on the wrong path. These are necessary and powerful prayers. This is a lot of how we pray on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. God's counting on his people to do this. Yeah. Because he... He has sovereignly placed his authority in us. I mean, when you think about it, it makes you want to go, what? Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> and so we cannot keep our mouth closed, keep our mouth shut and look the other way to watch people just die without Christ. It's like denying medicine to a sick person. It's oh, like, yeah. eh, I have it, but, you know, me, myself, us four and no more, that's good enough. No, we don't want to live like that. No. And so we have to know that Jesus is the only Savior and that we know the truth. And so the other, the other, we cannot believe every spirit is like what we were saying. And why can't we believe every spirit? It's, it says because false prophets have gone out into the world. And there are a lot of things on the internet saying, people will say, if a false prophet. In other words, I'm speaking for God. I have a message from God. God has said this. 
There are a lot of people saying a lot of weird things on the internet. And, uh, and even maybe face-to-face, you know, depending on the church even that you might be in. Or how you grew up. What how you grew, you grew up. up. Yeah, I mean, I at 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says, yes. we're not to despise prophecies. We do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We do believe in prophetic words. We shouldn't despise it, but test everything. That's what it says. And to hold do. fast to what's good. Yes. And so here we are again saying we have to test it. So we must test. This is the second thing. We're, we must not believe every spirit. And then number two, we have to test the spirits. Yes. I mean, there was a woman out there who, you know, calls herself a prophet or a prophetess who had a specific prophecy about a politician who would die on a certain date. And when that date came and went and that person didn't die, there was just no recounting of that. And these people have a lot of followers. If you look at their site, it's like it's not just 10 people are listening to them. They've yeah. got some thousands of people. Another woman who was saying that I had visions of heaven and I saw heaven was made, there was, was made out of gelatin in certain areas. And I saw Santa Claus there. I mean, this is just... <laughs> This is, and, see, you got to test, that's just, not hard to test that spirit, let's put it that way. Like absurd <laughs> scenes, like I saw cows driving tractors, yeah. it's like, be quiet. Just, you know, just, <laughs> I mean, another man, and these, I'm telling you, these people have large sites and large followers. This, a man made this out like an outlandish prophecy about the father in heaven that he saw himself separated inside of a cubicle because if his power got out of that cubicle, it would just destroy everybody. I was like, test it, test it by scripture. Does that sound even scriptural too? He does live in unapproachable light, but Jesus being in, in Christ, we can yes. come close to the Father. I mean, this kind of stuff is just error. It's false, and it's leading people into error. And so if we're going to test the spirits, you know, we have to gain some discernment of truth. Yes. Because, again, like spotting counterfeit is the way that you discern that you have to, if you're going to spot counterfeit, you have to become really familiar with the real. This is what federal agents do yeah. whenever they're going to detect counterfeit money. You know, they study genuine bills until they master every part of it. They can recognize it in a moment yeah. when they see the real thing. And then when they see the bogus, it's like, this is not, this is not real. And for us, discernment comes from the Word of God, reading the yeah. Word of God, knowing the Word of God. This, if you've come to this church very long, you know that we're trying to tell you, read the Bible. Yeah. And, and it's for our own because good. Because it's truth. Yeah. John, it, you read yeah. the Word. You read the Word. You know, and this is how you, you, you start to read the Word. And then the, the key, and one of the greatest ways to start off before you read the Word is say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Yeah. Teach me, Holy yeah. Spirit. And then we let that Word of God... Renew our mind. And we start thinking in line with Scripture. We start thinking in line with absolute truth. John 17, verse 15, is a, another excellent, well, it's the Word of God, so it's, it's yeah. definitely excellent. <laughs> Jesus said this. He said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He's talking about you and me. Yeah. He doesn't want us to be taken out of the word, but you keep them from the evil one. They're not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Truth found in the word of God is an anchor to our soul. Because let's face it, the wind and waves of this earth, of the culture of the earth, is becoming more and more violent. And when, when culture and the things of this world become more and more violent, uh, Jesus said the whole world's going to hate us because of him. And he wants to just knock you off of your path, mm -hmm. knock you off course. It, but the word of God is our supreme guide. It comes right back too. When things start ramping up, that means Jesus is getting closer to come. He's, <laughs> that's why we teach the Bible here at CLC. This is why we encourage you to bring your Bible. Well, this is why we say, look it up, find it in here, because we want you to discern truth from an error. 
especially those that are young in the Lord, it's really important that you, you hang out with other believers that have been walking with God a little bit more and ask questions and say, I had this, and what do you think of this? Uh, Proverbs 11, 14, mm-hmm. in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. That's, that's why it's uh, gathering at church and opening up your life to one another is very important. Yeah. Because you might think something is going on and something this is a pack, and you'd start to explain it to somebody. And, the, and they say, oh, let me show you something I found yeah. in the scripture about that. Yeah. And then you find out and you want to walk in the truth and you think, ooh, man, thanks for showing that to me. You know, because sometimes you can make a decision and it'll cost you 15 years of your life. Mm-hmm. or more. And as pastors, people have come to us many times. Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Uh, uh, I just, you know, I want to bounce it off you. What do you think of this? And it really, inevitably, we'll say, doesn't matter what I think. Let's, let's find the whole thing in Scripture. Let's look at the full counsel of God, not just an isolated scripture. Let's look at the full counsel of God. Because when we hold on to the full counsel of God, we're going to walk genuinely with God himself. You're going to be able to discern the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of a false shepherd. Yeah. It's, it's vital for us. So like when you're going to somebody for counsel oh, yeah. or you're just, you're asking for counsel. Everybody needs some counsel Yep. every now and then. Amen. You want to go to somebody who holds the Bible uh, as their standard and has a real and genuine walk with God. Uh, and yet this can still be tricky because not everyone, even in a pulpit, necessarily holds the Bible as the final authority. Right. As you might assume. <laughs> Looking... You know, from the outside, it might look like, well, it's a church. And I guess, you know, I don't know. They, they know the Bible. But, I mean, just recently in the news, the United Methodist denomination splitting, officially splitting apart. A lot, it's been in the news a lot lately. Those who are called the progressives who, you know, are fully uh, accepting of the LGBTQ lifestyle, ordaining homosexual ministers and marriages and other progressive things such right. as that. Uh, and then there are the, the lumped into the conservative side, those who want to hold to the biblical standards. And there's arguments over it. What's biblical? And what did God really mean by things? And so the conservative Methodists are breaking away and desiring to hold to the Scriptures. standard of Scripture. I would say much like we preach in this church. Mm-hmm. So, but if I had a question about this whole LGBTQ, there's just everywhere. And I went to a progressive minister, I'd hear one kind of counsel. And then if you came and you said, maybe you talked to us and say, what, are you, what, what about all this stuff? I'm sure you would hear a different kind of counsel. Let's start in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament and we'll show you. And so we cannot, we have to be aware that false spirits, lying spirits, spirits of error are in churches. Yes. And there are some pretty practical and simple ways, you know, on the outside of things, like to just help ourselves understand. Like if you're looking at a church, a leader, a pastor, uh, someone who says they're a prophet, a teacher you know, in the body of Christ, well, do their words match what's the standard of Scripture? And see, again, you have to become familiar with Scripture. How else would you know? I don't, people would say, I don't know. Well, then you're in the dark too. Yeah, who That's do they a, say Jesus is? Yeah, do they hold to the Bible as the inerrant word of God and final authority, final authority. You know, for life? Yeah, who do they say Jesus is? Because mm-hmm. this epistle talks a lot about do they confess Jesus as the Son of God and believe what he did and that he is the Word of God. And that he came as a man, yeah. as a flesh. And he rose from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. What's the person's lifestyle like? Yep. You know, actually, you know, we get into this thing about do not judge, do not judge, do not judge, but the Scripture actually says in the New Testament we are to judge 
the body, the judge in the church. That's correct. We are to look for fruit. We don't go around like, oh, I'm just your fruit inspector. But we are to be discerning and go, yeah. well, their lifestyle, they say they're a Christian, but it's okay to think that and ask the Lord and, and begin to draw your conclusions. Because lifestyle, Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Like, right. what is the fruit of this person's ministry? And, you know, the church, the church has gone through a long... Over 40 years. Season, yeah, yeah. where... That it was all... A spirit got into the church. Not just one church, but an entire nation of churches where mega was it. The mega church never probably was... It was probably never really spoken, but the whole thought behind it is that if it's really of God, it's going to be a mega church. It's going to be huge. And then that shows the stamp of God's approval. Yes, we do know that God wants everybody saved. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. But then all of a sudden, these pastors all started trying to be celebrity pastors. $500 torn jeans, $2,000 tennis shoes, having the finest ride. I've heard a pastor say, I want my kids to be known by what kind of car they're driving. As though this is God's blessing on their life. Do you know that the devil came to Jesus and said, I give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Now, I'm not saying that every mega church is wrong right. at all because there's great things happening in the mega church. When this started to roll, I'm telling you what, you know, how many were, grew up in church that are kind of like my age? <laughs> okay, some honest people in here. <laughs> what was the children's department like? <laughs> there was none. <laughs> there wasn't a children's department. You said on wooden shoes. Pews. As a matter of fact, that wooden pew back there is Pastor Mamie's from her church that she grew up in in Lindora. <laughs> That's from Lindora. Yeah. She got yelled at in that church, in that pew. <laughs> For rattling a bulletin. Rattling a bulletin. Remember Catholic churches? It was like so quiet. If somebody went, <coughs> everybody like looked to see who coughed and you know, in that day, nobody, you know, I grew up in a Lutheran church in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and nobody asked, how big's your church? How many people come to your church? Yeah. You know, there was, there was, listen, the only thing that was really super interesting for me was the stained glass. And look at all that. You know, that's pretty amazing. And that's really what you looked at. <laughs> and you came in and you, the, the, the point of interest was, look at that beautiful picture. Of I remember one time my parents get up to go take uh, communion. And my brother slides down to the end of the pew, and he brought a golf ball, and he's rolling it down to me, and I'm rolling it back down. Think about that sounds like on a hard wooden pew. <laughs> <laughs> no children's church. <laughs> I'm sure your dad was giving you the eye, like, if that's my kid. It's like boom on the back of the head. Yeah. I mean, there was no awesome sound system. There no. was a piano or an organ, and there wasn't even a microphone. No usually. microphone. There's certainly there was no, no air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so we, we, some good there, things there, did happen. Yeah, come I mean, on. But there was this move that also encompassed it with fame and notoriety. Went yeah. with the mega. Anything big, people are attracted to. It's like w the wow factor. And so, church life, like over the last 40, 50 years, slowly took on a whole different approach. Yeah, an atmosphere. And so for the sake like, of attracting people, lost people in the world, everyone mm -hmm. you know, got into every, this. We all had to have coffee bars, and we all dimmed the lights. And you had to have a smoke machine, of course. We never went that far. <laughs> We're Huge. never having a smoke machine. But if you've ever been in a large, and we say mega church, you know, the screens are huge, and often the faces of the worship leaders are there. <laughs> I remember years ago when this all started, it was like, closing my eyes and worship and opening them up and seeing this worship leader's face there. And I shut my eyes and was like, Jesus, I don't want to see their face. I want to see your face. Yes. But there was this 
disconnect with like, wait, what are we doing? Like, who are we promoting in all of this? The flashing right. lights, the theater seats, the smoke machines. It's just the massive production of worship. And like you said, children's ministry. Thank God children's ministry was changed. Yes. Because we had to sit through church with our parents, like you said, and if you wiggled too much and, you know, like Steve said, you get the ping on the head like... Or to get the, the eyeball like... See this little dent back here? Yeah, right. <laughs> but the church, you know, at that point was growing. It was pretty... I would say probably most people who grew up in church would say eventually it was just became ritualistic. I had to go, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. It was yeah, right. dead. Anybody would say that happened to them in their church? Okay, yep. yeah. So this new style of church was awesome in that way. It was drawing people into the church. And many lives have been changed Amen. and saved and transformed. And I mean, I, I know that we caught that wave mm -hmm. back in the late 80s and 90s as we came out of the, the Lutheran, you know, we, we were testing out all kinds of churches. It was like, there's got to be more than this. And then we discovered, wow, a, spirit a church, church that actually believes in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that he's alive and then God can live in me and show me, you know, direct my path and he has a plan for my life. They started teaching the Bible is what they did. You know, and really our call to ministry came out of that. Mm -hmm. So we're not bad-mouthing, you know, the whole mega movement. If it weren't for people in the mega going, hey, God's real. Like, we would have been still kind of fumbling around, I think, in dead churches, basically. But there's been also a lot of false... Yeah. spirits that worked their way into the mix of all of that because the devil's not going to sit on the sidelines and watch people come into the church and go oh look at you know jesus is gaining followers <laughs> <laughs> and so there the, what ha what did happen there was this fame and notoriety that started to build like every pastor's conference yeah. we would go to was like how to build your church bigger and how to you know, get more followers, and it was, there was a lot of... How to use Facebook. It was, and... it was tempting a lot of pastors mm -hmm. along the way to seek more of really what you could do yourself to make your church bigger and better. Never and, about praying. And the explosive growth at the time, yeah, mm -hmm. I think was stroking egos of a lot of people. <clears throat> yeah. And fame is a beast, if you will. True. Most people cannot handle fame. I mean, you just look at what happens in the body of Christ when people, I, 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 we've prayed over the years, and I've seen it happen. It's like, oh, no, they're getting bigger and bigger. It's like, God, please keep them on the track with you. Because once you have money and fame and popularity and notoriety, pretty soon the devil's there going, yeah, you are, you are so awesome. And we forget about He's off. Who gets all the glory? Yeah. And then what happens is, and the, the messages, be, the messages. Yeah. You know, I, I would have to say because we were a part of it to keep appealing to people. People are coming in. You want people to stay, so you don't want to mention sin and repentance, <laughs> right? I mean, that slowly diminished. It was like God has an awesome plan for your life, and yeah. you have purpose for your life, and. The messages began to get more watered down. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody said, if you don't feel good after leaving church, then you haven't heard the gospel. Yeah. And I think, well, if the wow. Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, you're not going to necessarily feel good, but you're knowing <laughs> that God, you know. And so the Lord was getting presented like there's a life coach, and here's how you are going to find your dream perfect. and live your dream that's and your, your better life. Your instead best of, life now. Instead of being master and Lord, there's a lot different approach. When he's master and Lord, the word obedience goes with it. Yes. When he's a life coach, it's like, hey, yeah, you can do it. You can make it happen. It's about you. Mm -hmm. And even though there's a ring of truth to all of it, that yes, God doesn't have a plan and purpose for your life. Yep. You know, I think a lot of preachers forgot to include the part of the gospel Saying, yeah, God has a special plan for your life, but it does include suffering. Oops, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Oh, it does remember forsaking all. It does mention you do have to pick up your cross and <laughs> follow him. And you do have to deny yourself and for, crucify your flesh. That's not as nice of a message. Let's face it, right? Let's just talk about the awesome plan he has for my life. Yeah, and I, it's there definitely, was little mention about sin and eternal judgment. Totally. 
I mean, I know over the years as we've preached, I feel like we have brought those things to light. Yeah. And I know people have come and gone from this church almost for that reason. It's like, this is a hard message. It's like, it doesn't sound like the message over here. And it's like, well, we're trying to actually preach the full gospel. Yeah. I, I, somebody came and said, I hope you preach like so-and-so. And, and as soon as they said that, I thought, well, we're going to talk about hell. <laughs> it's like, well, you really won't stay very long then. <laughs> you know, and the truth it's is, it's, it's like the Old Testament prophets, the, the false prophets. There was just a few saying, hey, straighten your life up or you're going to fall under judgment. Yeah. And uh, what happened to them? They wasn't, yeah. <laughs> because the false prophets are going to, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, then yeah. we'll pass the offering plate. <laughs> but we can't do that we want the spirit of truth amen yeah. we want the gospel the gospel is not a popularity contest yeah you'll never win a jesus himself contest. the bible describes as a rock of offense and a stumbling stone yeah hello that's jesus people don't want to have their sin brought to light amen I mean, really, all of us, no, I don't want to hear it either. But, you know, unless I hear it, it's like what you're going to have an operation. Guess what? They got to cut and pull something out. Yeah. Come on. And it hurts. And it does hurt. Yeah. And it takes a while to recover. Yeah. But yet, you know what? After that, I'm free from that. And yeah. this is pretty much really, we might as well lay ourselves out on the altar as a living sacrifice and let Jesus Christ, the great physician, do the work he needs to do in us. Mm -hmm. Come on. It's, there's a story in, in Mark chapter 10, I think it's in Luke and Matthew. It's dubbed as the rich young ruler. Anybody remember that? He comes to Jesus and he says, I want to know, uh, I want to find eternal life. What must I do for to find eternal life. Now this guy was rich. Not just rich. No, he was rich. And so I'm sure the people of the you know the disciples go, "Oh, look who came to church." <laughs> look who came to church. Oh, Jesus, this is going to be good. You're going to this is going to be awesome. We need more guys like him in the church. You know, he's got all this influence, all the elites of the town. And Jesus does what? He asked him, he said, well, how can I find eternal life? And, and Jesus, he, yeah. he said, he gave him, you know, don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Honor your father and mother. Don't steal. And you know what? All those were this way. He says, I've kept all those since. I'm a good person. I've kept these all since my youth. Yeah. And it's interesting when you read it, the version in Mark, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Genuinely, genuinely loved him. loved him, and then he says to him, "Well, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. Because then, then you'll have treasure in heaven. And, yeah. and then come and follow me." Do you think that man was expecting Jesus to say that? What? Go sell all my possessions, <laughs> give the money to the poor. Like this is a huge ask like if he were in today's church like what you were you were saying like i imagine the people be like there's the guy the richest man in town he's coming so maybe somebody's been trying to evangelize him talk him into coming to church he finally came and then jesus you had to mention money <laughs> why did you ask him for so much he'll never come back but jesus went like right to the man's heart motive yes which was his love for money, obviously, and all that it gave him. And money gives us a lot. Gives us security, notoriety, yeah. respect, honor, status, privilege. Money, I mean, you don't have to be super rich to have still feel like that about your money. And he had a lot of stuff. And really the basic truth of that story is that that stuff was his God. And Jesus knew it. Yeah, he... He failed the first commandment. All the, all the things Jesus told him about were about people. Well, then he started to talk about God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, and all your might. And it's really whenever, not everybody's going to, Jesus is not going to ask everybody to give up all your money, but he is going to ask us to take up our cross. He is going to ask 
for obedience, and it'll be difficult. Yes. If you really want to walk with God, it's like what Pastor Steve said. You're going to have to know that there will be moments where you're going to go, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? If you haven't had any of those moments, then you haven't walked long enough with the Lord. If you're serious and honest, because there's only one way to give up your life, and he will slowly walk you towards those decisions. Yeah. And then you're going to look at your, him and you're like, I didn't know it involved this. And so Jesus went right to the heart of what it yeah. would involve for this man. And the gospel is good news, but it's not an easy, easy message. And if we aren't careful, we're going to want to seek after the easier message. And the spirit of error will accommodate any preacher and any yes. follower to give us that. Look at, this is 2 Timothy 4.3. It says this, for the time is coming yep. when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction. But having itching ears for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. Mm. Now that says it pretty well. False spirits are in the world. They're in the church. And, and we uh, all have, we have a tendency for itching ears. It's like, I want to hear. And we do need to hear the love of God. We do need yes. to hear that he wants to prosper that you. That he's a, like we sang that song, he, you're a good, good father. He is a good, good father. But yes. the pathway to walking with him is a pathway of self-denial. Like Jesus. Amen. This was his path. Let's remember what he had to do. And so our path will, which should look in some way parallel to giving up our life. The and third so we thing can, that yeah. we want to take a look at, and, and it'll be brief Finish here. Him is that the third thing is we must prevail over false spirits. Number one, we must not believe every spirit. Number two, we must test the spirits. Number three, we must prevail over false spirits. How do we do that? It goes back to what we said yeah. before. Abiding in the world. This is absolute truth. This is the final authority. This is what you submit your life to. Jesus said this in John 8. Verse 31, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set yeah. you free. Hallelujah. We want to be set free. We need to be abiding in the word. There's liberty as we read this word. Yes. It's about Jesus. You know, what is this about? It's about knowing Jesus, that he came in the flesh, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. And it's about knowing the truth actually exists. There is truth, and it's found in God's word. Truth never changes. Truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's how Jesus is described. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his love for mankind is so immense that he was willing to pay the price for our personal sin debt. If you're here today, I want to let you know that Jesus and the Spirit of God is wooing you to come to him. You might feel uneasy right now. But that's good. Because there's two kingdoms fighting for your soul. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus is offering you forgiveness of sin. He's offering you a rebirth. He's offering to you an adoption into the Father's family and a future that's filled with hope, an eternal life that is filled with inexpressible joy but you have to come Jesus' way that's actually coming to him and confessing your sins and acknowledging that he actually came in the flesh and walked among us and that he went to the cross he died on that cross he shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins and he went into the grave and the third day he rose again from the dead 
And right now he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father and he's interceding for you and I right now. He's praying for you and I. Yeah. To come to him. Yes. To come to him. So is there anybody in here today who feels like, I don't know that I've ever given my heart, my life to Christ. It comes by confession of faith. Yes. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. We cannot earn it, but we can respond and say, I desire the gift. Anybody in here desire to give their life to Christ today? And maybe there's somebody online who's listening. Yes. We'll close out just with a brief salvation prayer. Father, forgive me of my sin. Wash my sin away. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Help me, Holy Spirit, to walk with you from this day forward. In your name I pray that prayer. Amen. Amen.